Philosophy. Descartes. Debate. The Mep Report. Mep Report. Mep Report. The awesomest discussion podcast in the history of the human species. Oh, yeah! Let me tell you of an interview with an old man emu. He's got a bacon feathers and things, but the poor old fella ain't got no wings. Aren't you jealous of the wedge-tailed eagle? I'm better to da-da-da. Well, the eagle's flying round and round to keep my two feet firmly on the ground. Now, I can't fly, but I'm telling you, I can run the pants of a kangaroo. But da do 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 yeah. Right. In that case, wait, no. Wait, no. Welcome to episode 139. <laughs> uh, let's see, what is this? August 31st, 2015. Welcome, everyone, to the MEP Report. What's up? Uh, we got it in. Peoples. We got one in this one. We did it. Woo. We did it. We got it. We did it, Reddit. We did it. We succeeded. <laughs> I want a Reddit thread to pop up. There's now Reddits. Anytime anyone succeeds or fails at something, I've concluded Reddit does a thread on it. So I would love it if someone on Reddit could just put a thread up saying, success, the MEP Report is now in August. Almost as successful as the Louisiana Lobsters at the draft. Oh last my night. god. Do, do, I know. Do, do, we did our fantasy do, do, football do, do, do. draft last night and I get this email which is like C+. And I'm like, "Really?" And they're like, "Well, you can look forward to a long season." I'm like, "Um, I'm really happy with my team. So go to hell, Yahoo Fantasy Sports that likes to uh rank people that aren't playing in the top, you know, 500. Way, way to go. Good job." Whereas but yes, the winner Louisiana of Lobsters. That's draft is the Louisiana Lobsters yes, with an true. A minus? That's the next true. best grade was a B in the whole league. So. That's right. The winner, the winner of the preseason, the fantasy football preseason. And I will win story. the regular season for the fifth year in a row. And then Can I ask? In the was quarters. our draft was our draft yesterday? Uh, <laughs> yes, that would be a yes. Oh, that's a you g- finished just ahead of Greg in the drafting. While I'm <laughs> yes, <laughs> congratulations. Your auto draft did better than my apparently oh, manual God. draft. Which but I find to be a complete lie. We're the next to last, next to next to last, respectively. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Story was all about the wide receivers and nothing but. Story loved him some wide receivers. He went out That's and he true. got every wide receiver. He had wide receivers throwing to wide receivers. It was awesome. So I um, selected a running back my, with the 107 pick in the draft. I decided to sully my team with a running back. So, yes. you know. And it took had me, to happen. It took me until the very last, uh, took me until the, almost the last, my last pick and close to the last pick in the draft to actually pick a Pittsburgh Steeler. And um, story, I believe it was, uh, stole. Uh, did you steal Heath Miller from me? Was that you? No, no I did, did. I stole. Um, I definitely took a Steeler right when you wanted one. But, I mean, that was like every time a Steeler was taken, basically, as far as I could tell. Yes. I took Antonio Brown with the first pick. Yeah. That well, I that was okay. I wasn't going to take overall. him first yeah, then, yeah. Um, yeah, there was someone I took for sure. Yeah, but, and then so at the end I just took the Pittsburgh defense, and I was just like, ha! I've got a Pittsburgh, which we'll probably not ever see the field. But it's all right. It's all right. I got a Steeler. But anyway, yes. Yeah, so fantasy football, uh, you know, once again, once more into the breach. We actually have the exact same 12 uh, teams that we had last year. Um, so everyone is back. The first time and, we've uh, ever done that. Yeah. It's, we, like, I don't think there were any switches this year. So that was, that was good. There were a couple. There was one in particular who needed some persuading, and I don't think he'll return next year. Um, uh, one person in particular, but uh, other than that, I think everyone is. That's me, right? I'm the no, guy who won't return next year. Yeah, that's no, what I. That's you. what I was I'll thinking. Be ignoring my auto drafted team. No, <laughs> no, you will like your auto drafted team. Yeah, you finished sure. ahead of me. 
I'm sure I will. Hey, Greg, speaking of which, um, you know that we instituted in the baseball league this thing where you can, for the first time ever, where you can trade future draft picks for players. And is that I noticed. True? Oh, well, yeah, awesome. I offered I offered you a trade in the league where, given that your team is like sucking it up in one right. of the bottom places, I'm like, hey, I'll give you a bunch of my draft pick next year for your stars who you have no use for. And then your response in rejecting the trade was draft picks, and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> draft picks, take them. What are you What are you doing with these players in 16th place? <laughs> now I now I actually know that. I will I will look at that more. You closely. probably thought it was faked or something. I did. I was like I was like this is like you know, <laughs> would you know welcome. I am Nigerian Prince. Would you like draft picks? Draft picks for fantasy. I was like I don't know. It sounded like? so like not real. I I really I honestly thought it was like like one of the, you know how you guys get those email spams that are like supposedly from your names. Like I've gotten those before where it's like yeah. Story Clayton would right. like to give you five hundred dollars of Nigerian Prince money or something. And you know I just ignore that. So I I think I just was like incredulous. <laughs> so okay now now I know. So you should if you still wish to do that you should offer me such a deal again. And the I trade won't. deadline is coming gone. Oh damn it! Well <laughs> now I can't do it anymore. That's frustrating. I didn't no i had no idea that there yeah. were draft picks zimmy okay. will get uh, a sixth round pick for me next year for kendris morales hopefully he'll help me to solidify second place well now i'll be able to think about sort of long-term consequences that that'll be that'll be nice for me since my present day fantasy teams but you're redrafting there. the whole team right it's not a keeper yes. league. so that's correct it's just wow. the next so if that... you just did like a couple of first round picks like you would just be done next year you'd just be like i'm going all in on this year and i'm gonna take the next year off Probably. Yeah, I basically did that. I was like, how often do I win a baseball league? I think once every five years is my average, right. so I figured <laughs> may as well invest in this year since I have a chance. You're going to Marlins it. Yeah. Like, this there is my shot. Go. We'll sell everybody off next year. <laughs> I was gonna say to Marlins that he'd actually have to sell the. Doesn't he have to actually then go on to sell the team? No, I guess I guess Loria didn't sell the team. I guess he just sold everyone on the team no. away. If I'm most of the seats and like half of the city, but not <laughs> but not, not the, actually the team. Not so. actually the team. Um, yeah, it's funny. Somebody made today what I thought was one of the most bizarre sort of sports analogies, which I thought I would share with you guys, and that is, as you probably know, and we promise, by the way, MEP listeners, we're not going to make this whole thing a sports show, but we, uh, so Robert Griffin III, who was the uh, former, uh, I think, top draft pick or second draft pick, one of the top two picks anyway, um, a few years back in the NFL, very gifted um, quarterback out of Baylor, was the quarterback for the Washington Redskins, and his owner, Dan Snyder, who's one of the worst owners in the history of professional sports, uh, loves him and like just thinks he's a great guy. The problem is that everybody else apparently doesn't like him. Um, and so uh, today, the coach, um, uh, Gruden, announced uh, that he would not be uh, the starting quarterback and that it would be the immortal Kirk Cousins. Um, and the same sports radio station that I'm about to share with you guys, the sort of the metaphor that they shared with them, said that I've that they had this guy said he had spoken to Kirk Cousins and found he was. Let me see if I can remember the exact wording. He was the most um, white bread, middle America, um, no frills, not a big brain, not impressive, already forgot who he was when I left quarterback. You'll ever interview. I was like, wow, that's OK. That is Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins is apparently the Mendoza line of quarterbacks. He's just like, he's there and he exists and he throws a ball and that's pretty much all you need to know. So that's who they replaced Robert Griffin III with. Well, like somebody, like many people's ex-girlfriends, like one quarterback is an overreaction to the previous quarterback. <laughs> right. So they just like, here, we will get the most ordinary, boring, non-talented. Yeah. Exactly. Right. There you go. So so that's it. So the guy said that the thing the guy, it was, and it was your good friend, uh, Russ Michael Kay 
who made this point. Um, Michael Kay was like, you know, the thing that I just don't understand is if you're Dan Snyder, why would you hire a general manager and a coach who doesn't love the quarterback you love? He said, and this is very much like you get divorced and you um, find a new woman to marry, but she hates your kid and you marry her anyway. Isn't that exactly what's just happened here? And I'm like, no. No, that really is not at all what's happened here. That's just really. Michael Kay's life. That's just his. <laughs> but he stopped with this, like, you could tell that he stopped, that he was like, like, you know, obviously this is radio, so you could just imagine his face as he smugly looks around like, got him! You know, like, I got a tremendous, like, no, that's a terrible analogy. What does that even mean? So, yeah, so apparently Robert Griffin III is like a new wife, a stepmother, if you will, that you're bringing in. Uh, sorry, not Robert Griffin III. The coach and the GM are like the stepmother. Robert Griffin III is the son in this scenario that the stepmother is going to hate. So that's that's your sports radio metaphor for the day. Um, and, and I Who's hope your you great like aunt in this metaphor? <laughs> I know. It sort of breaks down after a while. I guess that yeah. would be the Redskins <laughs> fans, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so yes, metaphors, metaphors for the win. But yeah, so football is upon us, which is good. I'm, I'm looking forward to it, uh, although with a little bit of sadness because it also means that the school year is beginning and it was a very nice summer and it was lovely and all that. But reality sets in. It's time to go back. But before we leave summer behind, uh, I do want to give Russ a shout because um, Russ uh, actually did a really, really cool thing. And that is that I did a live voiceover event from Hairbrain Scheme Studios in Seattle. I was out in Seattle, and uh, I did a live voiceover event of the new game Shadowrun Hong Kong, which just came out uh, a week from this past Thursday, Thursday the 20th. And um, Russ and a couple of other professional voice actors did a live voiceover event on my Twitch channel from Hairbrain Scheme Studios of the first few hours of that game. So uh, Russ got to play um, a spirit, a strange spirit, and he also got to play memorably Kindly Cheng, who is the triad uh, boss in Hong Kong that you have to deal with at one point. And he did this, as my chat said, by putting Lo Pan from Big Trouble in Little China on blast. So pretty much the whole thing was just like, well, Mr. Betton, greed eyes, Mr. But the whole thing was just low pan for the win. So I wanted to congratulate you, uh, Mr. Laser Falcon, Dr. Laser Falcon, because they were big, big fans of all of your work. So thank you. It was it was super fun to do. Yeah. Uh, it was. Uh, yeah, it was like the improv actor's dream of doing a, a cold read for a live audience like yeah bring it on <laughs> it was cool Let's find some characters yeah. and there was and you were working with some good ones too trendane was really oh, good wasn't he it? was tremendous yeah yeah he was like it was pretty funny i made him uh, this orc character story with this deep voice um, and at one okay. point we ran into a troll who had even a deeper voice and afterwards he kind of was <laughs> coughing a little bit and i'm like I'm sorry. Like, at some point, I was just going to make him, like, a sonic sound wave. Like, blur, blur, blur. like he just was, <laughs> he was like, he has a fairly deep voice anyway, but he was just like, sure. like I'm, let me tell you something. <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry. I apologize for making you into Tom Waits overnight. But, um, but yeah, it was, it was a good time, and uh, Kindly Chang was, was good. Uh, in um, the meantime, Greg, I figured out how to put you on my television because uh, Roku has a Twitch app, and so uh, since I follow you on Twitch, I can just... I, and you're the only channel I follow on Twitch since I'm not a big Twitcher. Yes, yeah. <laughs> um, you just click on the one box that shows up in the app when it comes on, and then uh, whenever you're casting, I can watch it on my TV. So nice. I recently discovered that. Nice, very cool, very cool. Is that what they're actually called, Twitchers? It's not like Tweakers or something. No, it's it's, it's neither Twitcher else. nor Tweaker. <laughs> I think I think they like casters, streamers. 
uh, online entertainment personalities, if they're or, or as we like to Celebrities. call them, OEPs. Yeah. Yes, yes, okay. yeah. yes, it's true. Although I, I keep finding these people on Twitch that are like these celebrities that I had not heard of before. I found this guy the other day who has 975,000 followers. Um, by comparison, not views, followers. By comparison, I have 3,134 followers. Um, I, I mean, a but million, a million <laughs> followers. Like, I just... That's just staggering. I can't even, I mean, like, yeah. So there are celebrities, and yet somehow this is a, one of the most silent celebrities I've ever known because I just I had not heard of him. I'm like, oh, you exist in a place in the Internet, and a million people know about you, and I don't. Um, and this is why YouTuberReview.com exists, <laughs> is to give prominence to these unheralded celebrities all over our interwebs. For just this reason. Have you any thoughts about the uh, YouTube uh, gaming, which is just launched? YouTube yeah, that's a, that's, that's a big thing. That's big because it's, it's what we're covering. I don't know. It's, it's just they're like they're like <laughs> off wow. all these gaming channels, right? It's that kind of depth of analysis that, that we expect. Well, it's embarrassing for YouTube <laughs> that like YouTuber review. <laughs> that's a thing. You can find it and other things here. Um, yeah, like all their top subscribed channels are these gamers now. Like nobody cares about Lady Gaga and George Clooney. They want to see the PewDiePie channel, so they had to partition off a whole other site so that the regular celebrities don't feel bad that they lose. <laughs> I'm sure that's exactly why it was done. Google was like, take some petty cash and, and make this happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it's going to be good, I imagine, for you because you're going to get a bunch more. Um, you're going to get a bunch more of stuff. I, it actually it, it brings me to a topic I wanted to raise with both you guys because I don't know what you think about this, but um, I, based on that, the fact that I found out about that, the fact that as we were talking about beforehand, we found out that you have over uh, thirty thousand Twitter followers, which is staggering um, to me anyway, who has four hundred. Um, you have 30,000 of those, um, and I'm going to, uh, I just got found out that I got a, I'm going to Dragon Con this weekend, uh, but I've also got a panel, um, at New York City Comic Con next, or October, um, and New York City Comic Con is the largest in North America. Last year they drew 151,000 people over four days. So, I wanted to ask this, besides the obvious thing that the population increases, and that's a big part of it, do you guys feel, or are we just more conscious of scale? You guys feel like every time I hear about something, it's just like the numbers are just like way more than just population increase could account for. It feels like all these things are exponentially more popular than they used to be in almost every area I can think of. And I'm, my, and I'm, friend, my friend and I were just talking about this today. Yeah? Like how Coachella used to be this like quaint little, you know, concert out in the middle of the desert. And now it's 100,000 plus people every yeah. year. And it's considered the most obnoxious thing in the world to even try to go to because you just warmed at all times by people and burning man went through that i imagine like so what is that i mean like is that historia have you noticed this like are things getting like bigger besides again controlling for population are they still getting bigger and like yeah there's like 35 people in my house i don't know how they all <laughs> <got here. laughs> it's because you have a rabbit yeah exactly <laughs> well two rabbits and that's all it takes now i only have one um no i mean yeah i'm sure population is a huge factor right i mean since we've been alive like the population of the planet has doubled roughly yeah, right yeah. like that's that's not an insignificant development um but i i mean i also think that we're just like there's a consciousness about counting these things in a way that there didn't used to be right that like ah. you would never you know like most people i'm gonna say went through maybe their entire life you know if they if they basically 
you know, checked out in the 90s or something or before that. They probably went their entire life without ever necessarily associating like a number with people that were in their sort of sphere of influence in some way, right? Like they yeah. weren't like yeah. I'm I'm in clubs or social organizations with 42,172 unique individual. <laughs> you know, this just was not the way life We didn't was play Kevin Bacon right? back then, right? The yeah. 70 degrees and of Kevin so Bacon. You know, people people had their consciousness around whatever their community was as an individual, and that was sort of what you could throw a throw a stone at or who you saw in the bowling league or whatever else that that evening. So there wasn't the expectation, I think, on most people, or most people didn't put on themselves an expectation that I'm going to be a personality, I'm going to be followed. Um, but literally, I don't think you can avoid it now. I don't think we're necessarily unique. I mean, we as former debaters, you know, are arguably and creative people are arguably a little bit more audience and attention seeking than the average person. No. But it's literally just <laughs> but it's literally cooked into life now. Right. Like yeah. from the word yeah. go, like once you start signing up for Facebook or have a social media account and now we have kids who've you know been on Facebook since before they were born, there's pictures of them going back to before they have any sort of memory of themselves on social media. They already have an identity that thousands of people have commented on. Right. There's this expectation that everybody collects numbers and following. So I think we're hyper aware of it in a way that we didn't used to be. Yeah, it's like someone that I know, actually, a friend of mine calls that living life out loud. And everyone now lives life out loud to a degree. Mm -hmm. I think you're probably right about that. And I, you know, there's there's a sense that having sort of a small circle is is not sort of uh, is not an easy thing to do. I mean, it's possible, but it's like you really need to actively seek out that, you know, that sort of isolation, especially because of the connection with online stuff. So all of a sudden there's through this kind of mm -hmm. online kind of quality. And and I also so. think like nothing is as popular as it used to be, like despite these numbers and certain things having a niche following that sound really impressive, like the Beatles were liked by literally everyone. Like everyone right. liked the Beatles, like the planet had, you know, maybe maybe what, 40 percent of its current population or something. But every one of them liked the Beatles and they were just a universal. And now you literally could not be a musical act or a movie or anything that has that kind of following. Things are too fragmented and too individualized. So right. there's lots of niche audiences or niche places where you can get 100,000 followers, you can get a million followers, you can bring 500,000 people to an event, but that is actually a much smaller piece of the pie, and it's literally impossible to unite the pie in the way that mainstream media of the you know sort of traditional 20th century culture did. So here's my question about that. My question is, are the what are the are the implications positive or not for this? Because I can see this in two ways. I could see it as a positive thing in the sense that everyone has an opportunity to be significant in their own circle, and that has mm -hmm. its own benefits, right? That is to say, sure. someone you don't have the people who are like, I'm going to make a cry for attention that everyone's going to hear. When you have more people who are able to reach out and make those connections, and they can do so even if they are disabled, even if they are well, right. I mean, there's just I'll, more opportunities there. As somebody angling to entertain people for a living, um, right. I often question the sanity of my choices given that we live <laughs> in a world where everybody is their own broadcasting network television station via you know four or five social media channels at right. once. And so 
you wonder, like, yeah, I could get 50, 60 people in a theater together to appreciate my work, but then they all go home and they all have their own shows on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Yeah. So what is even the point of being a celebrity anymore? Does it even exist anymore? Like, but one of them might talk about you on their show and then... <laughs> <laughs> meta, meta, meta. Well, but why? I mean, but that's the, that's really the... I also note the irony of someone who runs a show um, dedicated to reviewing other people's Let's Plays about this. So I, I think there's something about that. But that's, but that's really the question, right? Is that... I can, again, I could see that as a positive in the sense that because you have all these people, it's almost like you have now a group of colleagues who are all engaged in the process of creating content. And in a way, you know, you could say, well, it's nice to have patrons of work and then you have consumers of work, but there's nothing wrong if we at different times consume and at different times create. I don't see a negative to that part of it in a way because obviously there's some benefit to having creators watching creators. On the other hand, though, the problem with that is if that becomes the case and if everyone's a creator, does it sort of dilute the quality of one person's creation to such a degree that you end up feeling like sort of like, you know, Russ, watching an open mic where like all the comedians in the audience are waiting for their turn and don't laugh at anything because, yeah. right? I mean, so, and I don't know what the answer to that is because I could see it going in both directions. I mean, I there are still, I still think the majority of people are not content creators. Part of this is that we move in circles where we have lots of creative people all around us but i don't think that's the reality of like most people's lives yet like lots of people do create things yes but i well, still think more people consume than pretty can create but that's clearly still that ratio is shifting so i think i don't know i think the open mic analogy is very apt in terms of current forms of television entertainment because you can see that these guys have to push the envelope so hard because there's so much competition from other television stations from youtube producers from people filming homeless screaming people in the street, which may be way more compelling than anything anyone's ever written, <laughs> that, you know, that they feel like they are just trying to capture their 10 minutes of popularity and cash in immediately and not try to make anything sustainable or anything with a long arc or anything long term. Right. Like, yes, there are the artistic creators who do that too, but for the most part, people just want their one winning lottery ticket and cash in because they realize the enormous amount of competition for eyeballs that there are out there. Yeah. Well, this is how you get the Donald Trump candidacy, right? I mean, that's, yeah, that's like exactly that's it. the natural consequence of that kind of of inculcating that kind of race into every possible medium and form is that you get Trump basically closing out. He's like, "You want crazy? You want reactionary politics with a nutcase package? Okay, you're. I'll double your Ted Cruz. Well, and that's it. You further. So I, you know. Yeah. In fact, I was going to say that's exactly. Right. Not only do you have him, it's you have the entire Republican field that are now desperately in reaction mode to him, including mm -hmm. most happily in my position because. I happen to know this person, as you guys know, Ted Cruz, who is like, wait, I was supposed to be the nutcase, you know, like I'm the right. chosen one. Yeah. And so totally as a consequence, he's like, you know what I have to do instead is go like out God you because at least, you know, Trump doesn't refer all that much to God. So you're like, maybe I've got that. So let me go shut down <laughs> Planned Parenthood and pretend that Jesus really hated women because that'll, you know, sell that like that. That to me is the interesting thing is it's it's. The, the scary thing for the Republican Party is not that Donald Trump is the face of it. The scary thing is that Donald Trump is the id. He is the ego. He is everything of the Republican Party. That is what the base believes. It's just that he says all the stuff that they pretended that they didn't actually believe, but really did. And now That's, all the candidates are having to respond to him in turn. You know, I saw a couple things this weekend with my friend who our hobby is to watch horrible television together while stoned. Nice. Um, we saw a couple things. One, we saw an interview conducted by Sarah Palin uh, of the Donald oh, on God. 
some made-up television network called, like, America's Own. It was, like, OAN or something like that. Speaking of meta, 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 yeah. Yeah. And she was so... She was clearly sidling up to him, A, because she saw herself in him as, like, an ignorant outsider politician who everyone hated, who was... (laughs) A front you remind me of nonsense. me, Donald. Yeah. <laughs> and I think also probably angling for some kind of like vice presidential or cabinet nomination oh, or something like that. that you and can Ted, quit. Ted Cruz was doing the exact same thing. He sidled up to the Donald because he realizes where the momentum is headed and he wants a piece of that. Um, and I also saw a small interview with Donald Trump where he was just. He was so angry that someone had accused him of not being like the most devout religious person in the world. And of course, the Donalds could care less. So he goes, well, my favorite book is the Bible, of course. My own book that I wrote is my second favorite book. And, uh, (laughs) you know, it's not fair to ask me to quote you my favorite verse of the Bible. That's very personal. And I'm like, nobody who has ever read the Bible doesn't enjoy quoting passages to anyone who's interested or asks. Like, only the Donald is like, I can't think of a quote. I mean, that's personal. I will read you the entire Bible. It's all my favorite. It begat with begat and he begat. Yeah. Well, my favorite Donald Trump quote, um, I think, which is similar in some ways, is that he said, um, or gets to at least a similar part of his appeal, is that he said, for some reason, I just think that Vladimir Putin and I would get along really well. <laughs> I'm just like, Probably I'm true. I'm like, yes, you are the same person. Yes. Just <laughs> perfectly acclimatized to a slightly different political environment. But you are functionally the exact same person. Yeah. No, so, it's it's yeah. absolutely true. Trump and I love, you know, the answer that Trump is able to give to absolutely everything is a perfect answer because there's there's no sort of attacking the veracity of the statement. So when he talks about like the latest was that he said that um he gave this speech where he said that police need more power because clearly I think we can all agree that police don't have enough power. They don't they don't kill enough innocent people every day. Um, But he said that uh, the police need more power. He's like, you know, we need to stop being so nice to the gangs, quote. And then he's like, and what I would do, the first thing I would do is I would get rid of those gangs. The gangs would be out of there so fast their heads would spin. The gang, (laughs) like every concept that he talks about involves some amorphous concept that he then slaps a piece of construction paper written in crayon, the whatever, like the gangs, the immigrants, the losers, the bad economic indicators, like whatever, like whatever thing. Thing it is that's bad he just slaps a construction paper thing on it and then he just removes them by and they ask how and he says by being a good manager i'll just remove them because i am who i am and that's what i do and what are you going to replace them with good people and you know there's a certain kind of there's a pleasure in that kind of banal child baby like two-month-old logic um babies of course as we know do not create logic that early and so there you are, of a, of a guy who literally just says the way to get rid of gangs is to I get rid of the gangs by, by just saying no gangs. And I'm like, you know, that that really boils it down to its essence. Like, why don't instead of all this stuff about how learned, we do it, why don't we thing. just say no gangs? I like, learned you know. about this thing in the White House today. It's called fiat. You can use this thing on anything. It's great. <laughs> I executive <laughs> order that out of there. I want oil. I mean. Good oil, not bad oil. Good oil. Like, what is that even? I don't. I do think, with all you know, due respect, and 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 let me just say before I criticize Obama that the last year of the Obama presidency has been a wonderful, refreshing change from the first six years of the Obama presidency, where there's actually things that I can be excited about and agree with, like what he did with Cuba, fantastic. What he did, and he's getting like totally destroyed for with Iran, fantastic. Um, you know, he's still 
killing a lot of people, and I'd rather he didn't do that. But he's been much improved. That said, I do think part of the appeal of this, of why people are so drawn to this, is it is such a departure from Obama's way of saying, like, well, we're going to have to come compromise and we're going to have to bring in the republicans and we're going to have to give it everyone what they want and what they want and what they want and you know i i'm not i'm not going to tell you the bill that i want i want to ask them the bill that they want and then i might react to it and so you know and and obama is not alone in this there's been a long steady progression of politicians just sort of being milk toasty and compromisey and watered down to the point where you know, people feel like they're missing leadership. Now, I'm not saying that Trump is the right brand of alternative leadership, but at least he has a big cardboard sign with leader painted on it. Well, that's it. Like, he, the difference is he just gets waving to around a lot. And I think that's part of his appeal, right? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. No, you I know, think- I mean, I, I just as a stylistic thing, like, like, obviously, I do not agree with Donald Trump on anything, and I do not want him to be president, but I think. Stylistically, there's something that is appealing and refreshing about someone who's just like, I'm going to do it. How are you going to do it? I'm going to do it. I'm going to do, well, do it. I'm going to do it. That goes back As to opposed the- to like, well, we'll have to consult 498 people behind closed doors to see if we can do 1% of this. I mean, of course, one of the things that's, that goes on there is to go back to mm-hmm. Russ's earlier analogy. Um, you know, you normally like to change, you know, direct, there's a, this tendency to sort of move away from what you had before. So we go from a, um, right. you know, high quality, um, practical, logical person, the most progressive president of the last century. And we go to this guy um, who is a big, idiotic oaf, who's a doofus, whose job it is to sort of yell at people and say, go away, gangs. Like, I have this image of him facing down climate change. I, I would actually argue he's not going to challenge ch- climate change as a concept. What he's going to do is manage it out of existence. So he just faces this amorphous thing called climate change. I imagine his people could even pretend to stage it by making this like pro wrestler and dressing him in something that says climate change on him. And then Trump just like in the middle of the ring stares him down and is like, go away. And then climate change goes away and everybody cheers. Like that's the sort of depth. I mean, of we are politics. in an era in history so. where it's... <laughs> superhero movies are like the biggest thing ever and no matter how many sequels and how much rehash you try out every superhero movie 200 billion dollars like yeah no i that agree is, with that but, but the point in history we're at it makes I, sense i agree with that but but i would say this though you're right but i would point out that each one of those hero movies i know you don't like them but russ and i watch them yes. and i can tell you that each one of those superhero movies is progressively and increasingly more complex and nuanced than the previous one as far as what their heroes do, to such an extent that you now have challenges to Superman's sort of overall goodness with movies that are questioning whether or not we should put this much power in the hands of someone else, whether he really, you know, understands sort of moral circumstances, whether he has morality himself. These are things that I think reflect the way that we feel about the way that heroes actually are. So it's not like, you know, we've returned to like Superman, you know, the faster than a speeding bullet you know like the 1950s or whatever black and white tv version of these heroes so i do think people are like yes i agree superhero movies are more popular but it's not like people went please give me more like soporific nonsense instead we get or sorry sophomoric not soporific sophomoric nonsense instead we get can i have someone increasingly and ever more nuanced than before so there is something to be said for like that sort of turning in two different directions you know look at mad max as a good example this latest mad max that conservatives want 
wanted to throw themselves off bridges about because it actually involves a largely feminist plot where Mad Max is sort of, you know, relegated to the background and still has all of the, you know, whiz bang cars like guys playing flamethrower guitars and all that stuff. And yet somehow does this against a feminist backdrop. That is a lot different than uh, I'm here to tell you than, you know, the first Mad Max. And so I do think that something has changed his way the way that we look at it, you know. Fair enough. I th- uh, yeah, I think yes. These movies have to be nuanced because there are so many of them, and they have to distinguish themselves from each other since that's, that's all the selection is. But the yeah, I think the overarching reason that there's that fantasy is the uh, the the takeover genre of our age is because people want to escape and not address the issues of reality. Like there can't be. And also, I mean, to a certain extent, like, it's not allowed for there to be main characters who are social workers or main characters who are homeless people. Right. Main characters who are social justice activists. Like, that's not allowed. And so we, the only people that can fight for social justice is sort of unrealistic fantasy characters that can't exist in real life. Right. And, and it, you know, it's interesting that, um, as you guys probably know, uh, this this sort of um, pejorative term now for some has become SJWs or social justice warriors, as if the idea that fighting for social justice is a negative. You know, like what's what's wrong with you? Why are you fighting for social justice? Like I have this image of people looking at Martin Luther King and being like, "Look, man, I don't know why you think you have to vote. You know, fight for uh, you know peace and justice in our own time. But you know, who are you to tell me that my bigotry isn't the right way to go? But that is essentially what people say when they criticize social justice warriors for being being interested in social justice like we've now made a positive out of being not just apathetic but directly opposed to the positive change that we could you know enact and and yet that's sort of the way things are so instead theoretically we could turn well, to superheroes comes from a complacency not, you know yeah it comes from a complacency of believing that things are good the way that they are or are as close as they're going to get to good the way that they are which yeah. is you know what i would say other than trump and Bernie Bernie Sanders is the prevailing narrative of the political scene of the people running in 2016 and and a lot of the establishment because the last, you know, eight years or seven years since the financial crisis have been very good. So, you know, a lot of people are just like, why would you change this? America's so great the way that it is. And that complacency, I think, has always existed in times and places in society. But I think it's I think it's fundamentally working less than it has for a long time. Even though the power of denial is strong, I think that, you know, that's there's a there's a heavy establishment backed movement to try to say things are fine the way they are and lampoon anyone who thinks that there's something radically that needs changing. Well, I also think that there's a there's an attack that's going on as well from an increasingly aging, dying, angry base of people that are perpetual victims. And by that, I'm speaking about white male, white, you know, less educated males who are just very angry all the time about everything. And they realize that the world and the country has changed and they hate it. And, you know, that plays into what is often a common thread in America, a sad one, and that's xenophobia. I mean, whether, you know, you call them those people, by which we mean immigrants now, it was to gays at another point. It was, uh, you know, back in the day, it was uh, specific groups of immigrants. It was African-Americans. It was Latinos. It was, uh, you know, the Irish. It was, you know, like, go all the way back as far as you want. That sort of thread of xenophobia has not only increased, but with the election of Obama and this sense that, oh, my God, wait, a black man actually got into office. It sort of brought all that out into the open. And so I think there's also not just a kind of we don't want things to change, but there's a rage at the sort of loss of their world as they see it. 
and and this kind of gets back to like so I, so I you know I hear that I see that and I'm like okay the truth is though I don't you know apologize for the French I don't give a shit about the fact that you guys are upset about your lives because your lives are terrible bigoted lives you know like I don't care that you're losing control of your right to be a bigot I don't care too bad you're, you're lucky you got what you did you know yeah. so it's like you can see it and be like I want to be understanding about the fact that you're losing control of a world you never should have had in the first place you know what I mean speaking of which um, there was a massive scandal going on this week in the LA improv community that uh, some of which spilled over onto reddit in the, uh, the reddit improv subreddit nice uh, about a few serial harassers and, in some cases, abusers in the community that were finally outed by women, but it was only oh. by virtue of a secret Facebook group being created by a bunch of women and then just, you know, dozens of testimonials all being released at the same time by the organizers of this group to prove that they shouldn't be silenced or that they shouldn't be brushed aside as they are when they talk about these things individually to their teams or their coaches. Um, one of these guys in particular, whose name is redacted from the Facebook thread, so he's just referred to as redacted, uh, but I know, and I've, I've like done cage matches against him before and stuff, um, apparently for years had just been like harassing women on Facebook for months and months and saying sexually lewd things to them and then pretending to be friends and then going back and doing it again and uh, just to an unbelievable amount of women to the point where it's clearly like a, a compulsion or mental disorder or whatever you want to call it. Right. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess part of the atmosphere of this comedy thing is that you have these like super charismatic comedy characters who feel like they can do this stuff with impunity, even if they're coaching a team. They'll like take aside their own students and try to seduce them and this stuff. And uh, wow, I mean, you know, he was just one really awful example of it. But it was just this massive scandal with all these women, you know, doing their best just to get this information out, but there's still being a huge amount of blowback and repression and abuse, and, but also support at the same time. But yeah, it's been. It's been kind of crazy. Wow! To watch all this happen, and now um, you've brought us inside the sort of seedy side of LA improv, um, run by Big Boss Redacted. Yeah, because I used to think that LA Entertainment was so wholesome. Totally, <laughs> I know. It, I felt like that was the one place well, you could yeah. go. The if there was a wholesome, there was a wholesome like brand of it, it would have been improv as opposed to stand up or you know acting or porn or like you would think that improv would be the same. I thought it was mostly. Important to be fair. There is a school yeah. of thought which I've heard before, which is that there's a there's a huge massive taboo against violence in porn. And so there is there is an argument to be made that the most wholesome entertainment that LA provides is porn. There's an argument to be made. It is the least reliant on violence. It is the most reliant on something. I mean, frankly, American values would be in much better shape if we were much less prudish about sex and a lot more worried about violence. I think we can all pretty much agree on that. Um, right? So there's something to be said for the idea. I know that there's other problems with it. There's objectification and all that. I get that. But I'm just saying you could make an argument that of the many things L.A. offers, um, maybe the most wholesome of what it offers is, in fact, its pornography. I think you could, you could and toward argument. the close of the show, Greg guarantees that the image for SMAP report on the website will oh, be no. too hot for the web. Too hot for the web. Um, <laughs> as long as it involves sort of, you know, Russ sort of demonstrating improbability. Um, You're the one who's an advocate. No, 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 no. I, I can still be let go for cause. Thank you. Please, please keep that in mind. But I do, you know, I do point that out, though, that, you know, Russ, I, I think that there's a whole burgeoning field you haven't considered with improv and that is you know 
taking the other most wholesome aspect of yeah, you know, and, and becoming Gilgamesh. You could do right. the Gilgamesh thing, just like. And that. we saw. I talked about that. We went to see the Gilgamesh play with the naked right. main actor. So I, I think you missed the boat. You were very unhappy <laughs> about that, but I think you know. Well, um, while we're talking about weird LA artistic pursuits, you guys are aware that I was in a music video, right? I showed this to you. Uh, I've seen uh, videos, but not music of you. Peanut, but not music. Peanut videos. butter jelly. You didn't watch peanut butter jelly. Peanut butter jelly. Does this is this your um ill-fated guy whose name no, I can't no, even remember no. now? No, it's not insanitary. <laughs> You're like clutched no. at the edge of a <laughs> refrigerator. And it's not my. It's not my composition. Obelisk. This is a real band. <laughs> I think it's got like four million views. You guys haven't seen it. What? No. Is this where all your followers come? We are being sent. No, to be they trolled. don't. I'm, my name is not linked to here. this. I'm just. I'm just in it. I play. I've just. I've figured out that I'm now in my like very very tiny brief little acting career. Uh, I'm being typecast as like a middle, an angry middle manager. That seems to be what I look like. It's just a man with a tiny little sphere of authority, and he loses control of it. <laughs> nice. Where is this link? Please show us the link. Uh, the band is called Galantis. It's like a Swedish electronic pop band. I'm sorry, LA police. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Here comes the second truck. <laughs> They're like, we'll show you some wholesome entertainment. Russ, I have to ask you, do right. you live in a reed hut? Because I feel like you have the least soundproof environment of anyone I've ever met. Like, do you live on the street with like a cardboard box around? Like, what? What in your I, I have. The, the apartment set up so that it acoustically amplifies things that come from the street. So, Apparently. Yeah. Um, okay, so, <laughs> um, so what is I'm, this called? Galantis? Galantis, Galantis peanut but, butter jelly. Help me God. This is, this is a zombie flash video. I'm going to just keep You have a very long memory. You're like an elephant story. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I will never turn on anything. No, Galantis it's, peanut it's butter real jelly. True. Official video. I mean, if you had sent me the link, I wouldn't watch it, to be fair. Yeah. I'm only doing this because I found it on my own. And it yeah. seems to have comments that make it look like a real music video. It's a real music video. Where where are you in this? Like what, uh, what point? I'm the I'm like I don't know maybe 45 a minute change change in. I'm the I'm the manager of this supermarket. Oh, there he is. I see you. <laughs> that's it. Is that it? It's just that's all. That's the only picture though. Well, no, I'm in it later. I mean, so the, for those not watching, the, the theme or the, the, the storyline is like this sea fox who occurs in earlier Galantis music videos, uh, like comes into the supermarket and she imbues it with like fabulous powers. And so people's clothes start exploding and they start dancing in these like latex outfits because they're like slowly becoming the sea fox or something like that. And so I'm just like, I'm just horrified as the supermarket manager as I watch this happen. <laughs> By the way, we will make sure that the link is actually available on the website I, so that I you love can you. Yeah, this follow is along at home. This is great. I love that your expression continues to be the same as yeah, you're going like, through. You're just like, yep. Yeah, I've lost happened. control of my supermarket. That's <laughs> awesome. No, I had no idea that this was out there. Yeah. Man, I find – what is the deal? Okay, look. Listen. First of all, Story and I are among your oldest friends, though not your oldest friends, I know. But you, we've been friends for a long time. And we're also, we've been doing this show Greg's older than I. for how many years? Like, yeah. 
the hell, man? We like, haven't done a show since I've been in this thing. But what? But why do I find out you have thirty? Th- next thing ru- is story is he's just <laughs> going to be like, also, I'm running for president. Like, what? Well, how do we? How do you like discover? Like, oh, did I tell you guys that I own an island nation now? No, you didn't tell us this. How, how do we? What? You kind of see when stuff like this is happening to you, right? It makes sense that he hasn't had a lot of time to reach out to other people. Wait, wow! I, some... I break the pinata at the end of the video. Stuff, Sorry, some so. really crazy stuff is happening <laughs> in this video. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my God, that is and awesome! I danced man. a little bit, but I don't get to. And everyone was so upset who knows me, who's like, "Why don't? Why didn't your clothes explode? And why weren't you wearing a latex thing and dancing around?" I'm like, "I'm sorry, they took my latex away because of production issues." We were all very disappointed about that. <laughs> because of production issues. <laughs> That's really funny. So, are you going to do stuff with these folks again? Are you going to do? Uh, no, I just auditioned for that thing and got it, so it wasn't like they know me. I mean, they know me now. Um, yeah, but I, I've been doing a bunch of BuzzFeed videos too, so I've been going to do another one next week. Man, totally have to hitch our star, our uh, you know, wagon, our wagon to his star story, you know. Oh yeah. I think if anything, it might work the other way around. <laughs> it's like his burgeoning career will be felled by discovery of 140 map reports. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna be like, wait, this guy. It's too much information wow, about you. Really right? crazy stuff is happening in this yeah. video right now. This is actually pretty close to what Greg was talking about earlier. Anyway, so. <laughs> yeah, it's easy, right? I mean, I'm telling you, and four million views. That's what I mean. Like, and you know, yeah. you're seeing like four million, but I bet this is like apparently chump change, like compared to you know. I mean, it looks like it's gonna go for a while because it just keeps gaining video views every week, uh, and I don't mean cumulatively. I mean the amount of people that come in every week is going up. So, my friend uh, who was in the Farrell "I'm So Happy" music video, I just yeah. heard that he was in this, and then I looked it up, and I'm like, that video has seven hundred million views. I'm like, holy. God. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's that's. Oh, you're dancing a little bit now. All right, and, you gotta and do I it. Dance, right. I dance in the end, yeah. Oh my God, it's funny All though. Right. It's it's good stuff. It's Goodness good stuff. Gracious. I love it. I love it. This is righteous. <laughs> I am very impressed. Yeah. So I mean, we will definitely have a link to the show notes, and I, I think. So I feel yes. like we started by bemoaning, or not bemoaning, but sort of questioning uh, what happens when everyone sort of you know more or less becomes a self-aggrandizer. And here we are at but the Russ end, aggrandizing the living the hell thing. out of Russ, you know, um, okay. you know, for his video stuff and, and doing so happily, you know, I mean, so we've been sucked into it. We're not like, come on, Russ, sort of hide your light under a bushel. We're like, nope, let's let hell hang out. Exploding clothes. I mean, even your friends are mad that your clothes didn't explode. You're like, why weren't you even no. more out there? Like, why? Aren't I'm you sure even- that my perfect record won't remain intact, but I do very much like the subtext of this video, just taking a very like ordinary experience and turning it into something where you break out of the norm and you, you trash, you know, the conventions of that building. Like, I like, I like that about this video. Yeah, no. I and think. I have no problem. I will always play the like failed shitty authority figure who is broken by <laughs> like the movement of the whomever. Like I'm happy to play that role. So uh, tune in it. next week when Russ makes a video as Hillary Clinton. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's pretty awesome. Because I was like, wait, where are you? I'm like, wait, there you are. That's you. That's them. That's that's our Russ, all grown up. I get paid more. Like. At the point in where they were doing the pinata scene at the end, like I was not convinced at all that I was going to be featured in this video, and my pay was determined on whether I was going to be featured or not. So I took a massive swing at that fucking pinata. I was like, I need to break this thing, <laughs> be in this fucking video, break the pinata, and success. <laughs> great, great success. Do you get royalties? Are you, anything like no, that? No, no, get... uh, no. Such a shame. We don't get money for things. Like that. I mean, I got paid, but 
very little. Yeah. Like, <laughs> man, I don't know what I was thinking. Why you would ever be having that happen? That's funny. I love it. Uh, that's cool stuff. Well, um, good. This is this is good stuff. And unfortunately, uh, lovely peoples of the internet, um, this is a short show, and it's my fault because I've got to go run off now and not watch this video, um, you know, on loop for the next five hours. Instead, I actually, actually, I will do that. I have to do an interview, and then I'm going to watch this video on loop while I make up course syllabi, which should lead to some very interesting things. Right about November, my students might go, why was he thinking about at this moment when I'm assigning them, like, exploding clothes, and what does it mean to hit a piñata, and let's talk about, you know, frozen food literature. Like, that's, when they start wondering why, they'll know that I was watching this video. Um, but uh, we are going to have to uh, leave you um, for the moment. But we will be back, of course. Uh, if you have liked what you've heard, please make sure to follow us on all the things. Please make sure to let us know about other subjects that you might want us to tackle or cover. Uh, please don't forget about things like MEPCOIN. Um, you know, Rust can be tipped in Bitcoin, so we all have MEPCOIN now. And that's All you have to do is ask for MEPCOIN, and you'll get some goddamn MEPCOIN. Just right. ask us. <laughs> that's what we're talking about. <laughs> Just ask As us Donald for Trump's it. favorite Bible passage says... Ask and you shall receive. <laughs> because you're a loser. Jesus Christ, not a loser. Pontius Pilate, loser. That's it. That's Donald Trump in a nutshell. Right. Say goodbye, everybody. Ah! <laughs> well, the last Eat time I saw old man, he knew. He was chasing a female, he knew. As he shot past, I heard him say, she can't fly, but I'm telling you, she can run the pits of a kangaroo. She can't fly, but I'm telling you, she can run the pants of a kangaroo. Well, there is a moral to this ditty. Um, da 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 da. Thrush can sing, but he ain't pretty. Um, da 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 da. Duck can swim, but he can't sing. Nor can the eagle on the wing. Emu can't fly, but I'm telling you, he can run the fence on the kangaroo. Well, the kookaburra laughed and he said, "It's true." Um, da 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 da. 